Hello, everybody. Welcome to the Third Line Plunk Sensecast for August 16th, 2022. I am your host, Taylor Gibson, and joining me from his well-documented studio in Calgary, Alberta, Mr. Timothy Victor Jesse. Tim, how's it going? Well, we're going very formal with the opening today, aren't we? We are. We are. Well, you know what? So, uh, do you got like the CB, like the old NBC microphone? You're all hunched all over in front of it, like all that. Is that what we're doing today? Yes. No. <laughs> no. Honestly, you know, I think one of the reasons why I wanted to do a different intro is because Katrina always gives me a hard time about it. More because she knows. She knows that it bugs me if she decides to give me a hard time for it, but decided to throw everybody a curveball, man. Ah, fair enough. Fair enough. There was a very strong temptation when uh, I did the episode a few weeks back to just throw it a howdy. <laughs> yes, howdy. Well, that's kind of how I open uh, the Weiss podcast, just because it is Wild Wild Weiss. So we're playing on the whole cowboy slash Will Smith. Shit. You know what? I fucked up. A few months back, I uh, didn't start the episode by threatening Chris Rock. That's right. And you didn't threaten to keep his wife keeps her wife's mouth out of his fucking mouth yeah so uh yeah I, real mess up here yeah. sorry everyone i let you down and i bet most people who listen to the show are just like, what the hell is he talking about you blew it honestly that's to be expected yeah honestly though i was really looking forward to a will smith heel turn because you know he's always played like the good guys in movies and unfortunately i don't think we're gonna get those bad guy roles now He's not even in the Screen Actors Guild anymore. Is he just even going to get roles? I don't know. I don't know. Time will tell, though, Tim. Time will tell. So, Tim, it's been quite a while since I've been on the podcast, man. Yeah. So, did you actually listen to the Botsy episode? I was going to start off by saying that we should give a quick shout out to Matt Bosty, as he filled in for me on the last episode, which I got a chance to listen to when I was over in the UK, and it was pretty good. One complaint, though. Not enough anime or too much anime? Oh, no, no, I'm not talking about that. I'm talking about the fact that Matt Bosty mushed up my ass groove in my host chair. Well, you know, it just happens sometimes. It's true. I mean, I think what was it after the episode dropped? I put in the gif of Homer Simpson on the couch going, <clears throat> he's doing this little shimmy yeah, on the yeah. couch. Yeah. Good times, good times. I do want to ask about that episode real quick, though, Tim, because you know, you and I got a chance to meet up there earlier this week, and we'll talk a little bit in a second. But I want to ask about dealing with Matt Bosty on the third opponent scans desk. What do you mean dealing with? It was just like, hey, I want to come out of the podcast. Hell yeah. What are we doing? Uh, this is basically the rundown. And then I just kind of introduced all that stuff. Uh, uh, the uh, free agent bingo went, sorry, bingo, free agent prices right went smooth as a rock. So all good, all good. No, great to have him on. Uh, and you know what? I'm really invested to know if he's going to go fight that guy in front of the farm boy in Meridale. Like I've invested in that story story now oh same i and it's funny because i was in kong in ireland listening to that by the they had a little like duck pond in the middle of the town and so i'm sitting there listening to it and i just start laughing i'm just like man this is going to be great i mean it was a good time 
It was a good time. That was a good time. The one thing I really stuck out for me in this episode, not only that Matt was a really good guest and I'm really glad how the episode turned out is that, you know how, when you and I doing these episodes and I would talk about wrestling and I would try to bring something up like, Oh, Tim, you know, imagine, you know, this match happened and this wrestler came out and you're just looking at me like, I have no idea what you're talking about. I got those vibes when you were like, Hey Matt, have you ever seen this anime? No. No. <laughs> Fair enough. But that's also what happens when you get to my level of the weeaboo rabbit hole. But at the same time, it gets deeper. Oh, yeah. I can only imagine how deep that hole must go. I mean, it's, I haven't watched anything from the 60s. So there's that. That's true. But you know what, though? You've got, you know, you got, got time, time to catch up. You got time to catch up, my friend. So... As many people may have noticed, I haven't been on the podcast since early July. And I yep. want to talk a little bit about that right now, Tim, because for a couple of weeks, I was on vacation. I went to the United Kingdom for the first time since 2010. Me and my girlfriend Katrina, we had to go to Ireland because her mom had her wedding in a small village of Kong, about three and a half, four hours west of Dublin. So that was really great. I'll, I'll talk about that here in a second. But I want to talk about the beginning of the trip. So we flew out of Vancouver and we knew that it was going to be a shit show coming through customs and all this stuff because yeah. that's a flight. So we're in, we're in Vancouver and, you know, they're telling us, okay, you need to be the airport three hours ahead of time, two to three hours, right? We get there four hours because I'm paranoid and I'm kind of like, no, let's do it. You know, it might be a bit of a shit show. We don't know how we get through customs. No problem. And we get to our gate. We sit down. It's probably, I don't know, five thirty, six o'clock in the morning. Yeah. Katrina looks at me and she goes, we've got another four hours until we fly out. <laughs> I'm looking at her like, yes, I know. So is this YVR or was this uh YVR? Okay. Yeah. So uh I think they at least have one pub you can sit down at. Well, it's funny. I mean, at like 6 30, 7 o'clock in the morning, they don't really have anything open, although they had a Carl's Jr. open. Huh. And it was right, it was like right next to our gate. It's like seven o'clock in the morning. We're not really hungry. We're looking at each other like, huh. That's weird. Why would a Curls Jr. be open at seven o'clock in the morning in Vancouver? And she and Katrina's just like, well, Taylor, have you ever considered that maybe people are flying from overseas and they're just landing and they want to eat something? I was like, I, I mean, yeah. Yeah, because I know at Calgary Airport, yeah, like there most of the restaurants were open by like 7:30. The last time I rolled through there, uh, yeah, my buddy and I went and flew to Houston. Yeah, we were able to sit down at like a pub and uh get something to drink before we flew because yeah we came a bit too early as well yeah it was one of those things so we ended up catching our flight to vancouver we had to go to toronto fly through pearson now of course if you've been following the news everybody knows about the delays and everything going on with pearson and i'm not solely talking about with ryan whitney from spitting chiclets and all that stuff so we get into toronto and we're thinking oh man this is going to be just terrible you know watches like our flights on the other side of the airport or at the other airport. No, we got off of our plane. We walked through the gate. Yep. It was right next to it. 
So it was great. It was like, ah, oh, sweet, right on. Like, oh, right that's here. lucky. Absolutely, right? So we go, we're like, okay, we're hungry. Let's go get something to eat. Where can we go? And we're like, well, yeah. I don't want to go too far, whatever. There's a subway, like 50 feet from us. So we're like, let's go to the subway. It was, it was okay, if we're being honest. But it is what it is. So anyway, we get our food. I guess if you didn't want to go too far, you probably don't have any choices, but subway i know i know i know but you know i we didn't want to go too too far so we got our subs we ate it went back to the gate we hung out and it's funny because we're flying from toronto to edinburgh yeah the guy who came over the pa and be like attention passengers this is the gate whatever number this is their flight to any instead of saying edinburgh he said edinburgh yeah yeah. he had three people in front of him yelling out it's Edinburgh. <laughs> as he said it, and we and I'm just start laughing. I'm like, oh, it's funny. But the one thing I really noticed when we caught off the plane in Toronto was it was super muggy and hot. It's like holy. Crap. Have you never been to Southern Ontario in the summer? No. That is exactly what it is. I remember when I was in Ottawa, when Chelsea and I lived in Ottawa there one day it was just like we went out to get groceries and i came back from work and it was fine but then when we came out in the evening it was just like i walked out of my apartment it was like i walked into a wall of moisture yeah but that's different because ottawa's in northern ontario though no ottawa's southern ontario northern ontario is like thunder bay dude oh that oh ottawa's not considered no oh yeah but like toronto is like ottawa but worse watch because it's also just no, no, I will. Ottawa is not Northern Ontario. People will call, I think people will call Sioux Northern Ontario, but even that's a bit debatable. But like, nor, when people are talking like Northern Ontario, they mean like rural ass nowhere and Thunder Bay. Okay. Timmins, those sort of places. Right, right, right. Okay. But anyway, yeah. So we flew in and it's super hot, super muggy. And it's like, oh, this is brutal. This is terrible. So we stay in the airport, get our flight fly to edinburgh and when we were flying to edinburgh we knew full and well of the uk's heat wave yeah. and i know a friend of the show kelly was talking about this on twitter about how hot it is and usually the uk does not get that hot usually in the summertime there it's what 21 22 degrees and you would know firsthand yeah that about that yeah so when we got there we landed in edinburgh now keep in mind we have been awake for probably 25 hours roughly at this time so we land in Edinburgh we're tired you know we're gross whatever we've been awake we get our luggage we go outside it's 33 degrees and it's super muggy you know those times when you walk out of a building you take five steps and you're just like sweating oh yeah that was that and we're just like this is gross like this is not if it's like this the entire trip this is not going to be fun so anyway, we get on the train or the tram, as they call it. And yeah. we decided that we were going to go to Glasgow first because that was what we were planning on doing. We were going to land in Edinburgh, get the train, go to Glasgow, spend about four days there, come back, spend three days in Edinburgh, then fly to Ireland. So anyway, we get on the tram. Everything's great. It's hot. We get it. Windows are open. We get to Waverly. And we're like, hey, you know, let's get something to eat. Like, we haven't eaten anything yet. So we go into this Chinese food restaurant. 
or this little like fast food Chinese place in the in Waverly Station. One of the worst meals I've ever had in my life. You took a bite out of it and it's like, I took maybe three bites and I'm just like, I am not eating this. This is disgusting. And what Katrina said the it? same thing. It was just like a sweet and sour pork. Uh-huh. Sweet and sour well, pork with fried noodles. And it's like, no, this is disgusting. I'm not eating this. You, you're in the UK. You have to remember British food quality is a stereotype for a reason. I know. But as I go on with the story here, Tim, the food does get better. So it was like, okay, that's just a one-time thing. We take a couple bites. Like, no, this is not good. I'm not eating this. So we go to a little like corner store in the station. We grab some snacks, grab some iron brew, because I love that stuff. We take the train from Edinburgh to Glasgow. Now, keep in mind at this point, we have now been awake for probably 26 hours. And we're tired. We're cranky. And we're literally starting to snap at each other. Yep. And, and you would know firsthand, you know, when you travel with somebody and, you know, it's not all going to be sunshine and roses, but it is what it is. And we really, and her and I both realized like, we're tired, whatever. Let's just get on the train, go to Glasgow, go to the hotel and we'll go to bed. That was the plan. So we get on the train, we go about maybe four or five stops. And then we get to the fifth stop. The train stops working. <laughs> we're sitting there and we're thinking you have got to be kidding us no please tell me we do not have to get out on another train go back to edinburgh get another train and then go to glasgow so we had to go back probably two stop the guy one of the guys at the train was super nice and he says okay listen whoever's going to glasgow other train go two stops get on the other train go to glasgow yeah. that's what we did so we did that, and we were talking to a nice gentleman on the train who was from Glasgow originally. So he was asking us because he heard our, our accents or whatever. They're like, oh, where are you guys from? They're like, oh, we're Canadian. We're from Vancouver, British Columbia. Oh, we're about to British Columbia. And I said, well, we're from Vancouver Island. I guess his daughter did a backpacking trip of Canada. Okay. He ended up on Vancouver Island. So she knew where we were from. And he's a super nice guy, and we're talking to him and whatever. We get off the train in Glasgow. He says goodbye, you know, hope you guys' trip's great. No, thanks, man. Appreciate it. So we get in a cab. We go to our hotel. Now, I got to talk a little bit about the hotels that we stayed in in Scotland. Mm -hmm. Because for me personally, we, like, I knew full and well the hotel was not going to be the the glamorous part of the trip. We figured, okay, we just need a place to crash for the night. Throw stuff, whatever. So we got a budget hotel. So budget hotels are what they, it's in the team. Yeah, exactly. The budget hotel. And we're like, okay, whatever, cool. Cause I was not expecting anything fancy. We get up, we get to the hotel, we go upstairs, we get our card, we open the door. We literally open the door. We looked at the room and we're like, you've got to be fucking kidding us. There was probably eight feet from the door to the bed. And no window. There was no window in the service because I guess it used to be like whatever office space or whatever it used to be that they converted into a hotel. And so we're looking at this place. And thankfully it was at least cool the room. 
Okay. It's cool in the room, whatever. So we were like, okay, cool. So we'll throw stuff down and we're looking at each other like, yeah, I'm gonna just going to have a shower and go to bed. It's like 3, 30, 4 o'clock in the afternoon. It's called yeah. time. So we do that, whatever. We sleep great. We wake up at one in the morning, their time. We can't go back to sleep. Yep. So now it's like, well, what the f- what are we going to do now? Now there's no window in this room, so you can't tell what time it is. There's no light coming in. The yep. only light you're getting is from the hallway. So it was yep. one of these deals where we're like, oh, fuck, all right. I guess whatever time it is, three o'clock in the morning, we try to go back to sleep. We eventually get up. We go outside. We go do our thing. And this is for a couple of days. And Glasgow was really cool because I got to say, Glasgow, for the reputation it gets as being like a rough and tough city, I thought the people of Glasgow were super nice. Super nice, super friendly to deal with, very helpful. They recognize we're not from there, whatever. So a couple of the highlights about about Glasgow is that one of the things that I know I wanted to cross off my list when we got to Scotland was go to a soccer game, which we got to go. We got to go to Ibrox, which is the home of Rangers FC. So we're like, oh, right on, Rangers. You know, And it was one of those things where kind of a last-minute thing. I didn't even realize they were playing. I was just looking it up on my phone. I'm thinking, oh, that'd be kind of neat, because I wanted to go to on the one of the stadium tours. Yeah. Well, and I'm noticing, okay, well, all the stadium tours in Glasgow are sold out. Okay, whatever. That's cool. So we look into tickets and I'm thinking, oh, I wonder how much tickets would honestly cost here in Glasgow. And I didn't realize they were playing the next day. Oh, wow. And so I look at, they're playing West Ham, West Ham United. So I said to Katrina, I was like, hey, so um, would you be interested to go to a soccer game tomorrow? And she's looking at me like, you're asking me like you don't know me. Of course I want to go. Hmm. and tickets were really cheap they're like 20 pounds each so i was like okay cool got two tickets we got great seats and obviously i showed you the photos and all that stuff you saw it on my social media yeah so we got there and you got to realize going to a soccer game in glasgow in scotland in general you want to talk about such a culture shock for anybody who's ever watched sporting events in north america because one of the big things about going to sporting events in north america is that you are able to buy alcohol that is not a thing at ibrox and we got into the stadium and whatever and i'm we're like oh you know let's get something to drink you know like it's warm and whatever outside so we're looking at the menu and we're seeing you know soda water you know whatever you got on the menu i'm like oh, that's weird i'm not maybe this is like a dry stand maybe they don't serve alcohol on this side of the stadium they i find out later they don't serve alcohol at the stadium which was fine, whatever, because we went to a Rangers pub that was literally just down the street, the Loudon pub. So we went there, had a, had a couple of drinks and whatever, and, you know, having a good old time. And it was super cool in there because not only because you had all the old pictures and trophies, the AC was cranked in this building. <laughs> it was warm and kind of muggy outside. It was like fucking walking into an igloo inside. I was like, oh my God. Like, Thank you. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So we were standing around just having a she like Katrina was drinking whiskey and coke. I was having a couple of beers and we're just whatever. So we go to the game, Rangers 1-3-1. So we got to a point where like, okay, 
well, let's try and find a cab or whatever and go back to the hotel. Good luck trying to find one because now you've got roughly 40, 45,000 people outside walking each and every way. There's no way cars are coming. Cars are not coming anywhere near the stadium. Yeah. We eventually get an Uber. And I was telling you about this guy. And I want to give a shout out to Muhammad. Muhammad's a great guy. And I wish him all the best because honestly, he was telling us, I guess, before COVID, he was a business owner in Glasgow. He owned about four or five businesses, sold them all when COVID hit, made a lot of money. So now he's building a complex for his wife, who's like a neurosurgeon, or whatever, like a $1.5 or $1.6 million facility. And, and he was super, super friendly, super personable with us. And it was great, mm-hmm. and whatever. And another great thing I want to talk about is that we got to go on a distillery tour in Glasgow. And that's one of the things I want to do for Katrina. I guess Katrina is like, she's into whiskey. And I thought, okay, she'll get something out of this. This is not all about me and what I want to do. I thought that'd be kind of neat. All right, we'll go see it. So we go to the distillery and it's in the Glasgow docks, which for those who are unaware, Glasgow docks in like the 1900s is where all like the freight ships and whatever came through Glasgow. And I guess the person doing the tour was telling us the building that the distillery is in is the only original building left. Right. Every building around it, because they have the old photos, everything's been demolished. They've rebuilt everything around it. Kind of cool. So the one highlight I want to make of that distillery tour is that at the end of the tour, they sit us into this little room and it had AC and had a view of like the dock and whatever. Really cool stuff. So they give us these shots and they're kind of like little sippers or whatever. And you're like, okay, you know, this is a smoky one, you know, with uh I don't know, whatever kind of wood that they burn for it or whatever. And they had this tiny, tiny little cup of like clear alcohol. Hadn't been distilled, hadn't been anything. It's essentially ever clearer moonshine. Yeah. So the ladies in on the tour says, okay, well, here you guys can like just take little, little sips of this, distill it, like dilute it with water. My dumb ass is thinking, oh, <laughs> how bad can this be? So Katrina's like, oh, you I downed it. And I dropped the cup and she just looks at me. She goes, are you okay? And I look over and I'm like, it's burning a hole in my chest. And she's like, oh my God, you didn't just do that. And even the lady doing the tour is looking at me like, did, did he just really just do that? <laughs> I was like, yep. Yeah. yeah, it happened. But honestly, Glasgow was great. And then we got to go to Edinburgh. So I had some family that still lives in Scotland. My family originally is from Scotland. They immigrated here in the 60s. So I still had a few family members left. So I got a chance to see my Uncle Thomas and Annie Flora, which is my late grandmother's brother and sister-in-law. So we got a chance to see them. Got a chance to go around Edinburgh for a while. They showed us around. Really, really cool stuff. Met up with my dad's cousin, Raymond. Nice. Who I hadn't seen him since I was there the first time when I was like 18. So he, some of his mates... Katrina and myself, we went up to one of the pubs. We had a couple of drinks. And it's one of those things where, and you know, you know, when you have one certain alcohol and then you start mixing it with others. Yep. Yeah. So the next morning, I wake up and I'm not feeling too hot. Like I'm not hungover, but you know, I'm, I'm feeling it from the night prior. So I get up and I'm just like, holy crap. I got to go to Tesco, which is across the street, get some water or iron brew because we didn't have any in the room. 
because we were going to go on a stadium tour that morning. We we're going to go to Tyne Castle up the other side of the city, which is where Hearts play. Hearts is where yeah. the Ember team. So I get out of the room. I go across to Tesco, grab her stuff, come back. I look at Katrina. I'm like, I can't stop sweating. I'm going back to bed. Yeah. Go back to bed, whatever. Now, I actually skipped over a part here because when we got back, when we got into Edinburgh, where we were staying, again, at the same budget hotel in Edinburgh. Now, I talk about how small that room was in Glasgow. The one in Edinburgh was smaller than that. <laughs> we get in the room and again, no window. There's no AC. And it's super, super hot in that room. And it got to a point where at 2.30 in the morning, we just made a decision. We're like, you know what? We are getting out of this room. Man, this makes the capsule hotels I stay at in Japan sound spacious and accommodating. Exactly. And, it's and I'm in a two. Yeah, it's one of these things where we're just like, yeah, we're getting the hell out of this. We're going into student housing on the Leith Walk. Yeah. And that's where we were staying when we met up with my dad's cousin. So it was one of these things where we're like, okay, cool, whatever. So we got a chance to hang around Edinburgh. And one of the meals I want to highlight, we actually go to, got to go to the Hard Rock Cafe. Nice. Now, the last time I was in Edinburgh in 2010, we went to the Hard Rock Cafe. And I will go on record. It was one of the best meals I've ever had. The ribs, really? we had like a thing of like ribs. The things were like overflowing over the plate. Okay. Yeah. Cause the one in Toronto, I remember the food being good enough, but like the plate was pretty chintzy for a $30 plate, especially given all the other food you can get in Toronto. Yeah. So the only cool thing about the Hard Rock Cafe in Toronto is it's right at Young and Dundas. So it's good to hear that the one in Edinburgh is worth going to. Yeah, the one in Edinburgh was good. Actually, the one in Seattle, at the, the where the Pike Place Market is, also really good. Yeah. But, but anyway, actually, going back about, about Glasgow, and we're talking about food, I want to quickly talk about haggis. Because haggis right. is the national dish of Scotland. I got to try it. And? It's actually pretty good. And I even got it deep fried. Oh. Because it was at a chip place that was across the street from the Loudoun Pub when we went to the Rangers game. So I'm eating deep fried haggis and I'm thinking, stuff's pretty good, honestly. Katrina had a deep fried burger and she did not like it. She's like, no, this is, this is terrible. Terrible. Wait, was it just like weird or? It didn't taste right. You know, when you eat like a piece of meat and you're like, something doesn't taste right about this. Right, like it almost seems like it's like spoilage or like we, improper cooking. Maybe, yeah, because it was a deep fried burger. Yeah. So it could be, right? And it was just one of those things where I, I even I took a bite. It was not good. But anyway, so later on in the trip, we went to this pub in, uh, I believe it was in Edinburgh. And Katrina got food poisoning. Oh, she got food poisoning and she was sick. She was just like, I, yeah, I don't feel good. And we had the same thing. We had a burger and the burger tasted fine and whatever. And she thinks maybe it had MSG, which she's, I think she's allergic to or something. It was either that or the burger was not cooked properly enough. Cause I, even I was kind of just like, oh, I don't feel too good either. Like my stomach's not feeling great. But anyway, I got, I remember when we were living in the UK, that was, a common feeling after going 
to restaurants. And what it might be is that they might not be changing out the fryer oil enough and that will affect the taste of food and you can get an illness that way. Yeah, I can believe that. Cause I know a lot of fish and chip places, like they change it out all the time. Yeah. And places that don't, it's just like, well, hope your gut's doing okay that day. Yeah. And, and it's funny because overall the food on that trip was actually very, very good. And especially when we got to Ireland with some of the pub food we had, but right. Now we're talking about Edinburgh. two things I want to top up. Number one is that we got to go to another distillery tour. We went on the Johnny Walker tour. Right. And the Johnny Walker tour was really cool because one, I didn't realize Johnny Walker was Scottish. Oh, do you think it was American? I didn't. Maybe I didn't. Well, I never really thought much about it. Right. So I didn't think anything of it. So that tour was really cool because it was very interactive and the people doing it were very energetic and whatever. Okay. And the second part of that I want to talk about, we got to go to a second soccer game in Scotland. Right. We went to see Hibernian play at Easter Road in Leith, where my dad's from. Right. So we go to the game. Well, first of all, I can, Katrina and I met up with her sister and fiance because we're like, yeah, let's go to the game, whatever. And it was like 10 pounds each. Top of the stadium, dead center. Hmm. Great seats. And anyway, so we were at the game. And we decided to go for lunch before we go to the game or whatever, which we made it four minutes to kick off, by the way. We made it into the stadium. So it was great. Four minutes. That's all I remember. So we were at this pub on the Leaf Walk. And we're sitting there. We're having our lunch, whatever, which we had Haggis Tacos. Again, pretty good. All things considered. Right. So anyway, we're sitting there eating our lunch. The server comes up, walks up from behind us. He says, hey, guys, don't worry about me. I'm just going to open up the door, get some fresh air in here. Well, so he opens the doors. All of a sudden, all you hear is this grinding sound. It sounds like a piece of metal or scaffolding being dragged on concrete. Right. Somebody on the street decided to grab the guardrail that was outside the pub and walk away with it. (laughs) just down the sidewalk he went and the guy ran after him so the buddy drops it walks about five feet they have a little seating area outside he grabs one of the chairs throws it out into the street so the server has to run out in the street stops a cab gets the chair puts it back comes in and i'm looking at him like what the hell is all that about he looks at me goes ah mate that's just leave for you (laughs) good lord so how was the wedding Wedding was really cool. And when talking about our trip in Ireland, I I cannot emphasize this enough that you've got to realize where we were at in Ireland is about three and a half, four hours west of Ireland. It takes two buses to go. Just the small little village, 100 people, six pubs. Naturally. (laughs) Naturally, right? So anyway, so we get our buses and we get over there. And it's great and fine, whatever. And so we get to the bus stop, which is in which is in a tent, which is in the town. And the streets are maybe about maybe twelve yeah. feet wide. I don't know how the hell that bus got through all of that, but anyway. So we get to the bus stop, which is in front of the pub where we ate a lot of our meals when we were in Kong in Ireland. Right. So anyway, Katrina, myself, her sister, fiance. Her birth mom, bonus dad, and I guess her mom's friends 
we walked to where we were staying. Yeah. Now keep in mind, when we got to Kong, we were told, yeah, this is probably going to be a maybe a 10, 15 minute walk. Yeah. This was a half hour walk uphill, by the way. Mm-hmm. So we've got our backpacks, our suitcases, and of course, my suitcase was broken because oh. I didn't. Because again, when I, I grabbed one of my stepdad's suitcases, so for me, I'm like bringing it with me, got all my stuff, cool. So the handle comes up once. Okay, cool. Put it down. It works. It didn't really yeah. until I got to Vancouver. The thing was fucking broken. Like, full on busted. Couldn't get it up. I was like, I couldn't get the handle up. So I was like, God damn it. Now I'm going to carry this fucking thing everywhere with me. So we carry it. Half an hour, by the way, we're walking and I'm tired and sweaty and we're all tired. And we're like, you know, let's just go to our hotel. So they drop everything off at the hotel, which we're not staying at, by the way. We are another maybe five minutes down the road from this. Mm. Like we're in the middle of fucking nowhere. We're at this B and B, which is maybe a five minute walk from where this reception being held. So it's not too bad. We get into the B and B and the first thing I really notice other than it has a window, <laughs> it has a window. Didn't really have EC, but it had a window, so I was able to crank my the. So basically, the window only went only open so far. There was no latch or anything that held it up higher. So I jammed one of our suitcases, so the thing was like almost on a oh no straight angle, just so I can get more airflow in the room, and that was fine. So. When we get into the B&B and I notice all this John Wayne memorabilia, because I guess John Wayne filmed one of his movies in this village. Didn't know this. Didn't think anything of it. I just saw all the John Wayne posters and whatever. And I'm like, oh, okay. Maybe the guy owns just like a huge John Wayne fan. Hmm. The guy who owned the B&B, his grandfather was an expert in this movie that they filmed. Okay. And he also did the guided tour around town. So he showed all the filming locations and everything about the trip. So the day of the wedding, I'm walking to the church in town in my suit, by the way. Right. I walk, you know, it's a huge group of people and they're doing the tour. So I walk through everybody, whatever. I have my earbuds in, listening to third line plug sense, guys. Getting, getting through everybody. And the guy running the tour notices me. He points me out. He says, hey, man, I didn't hear it. I look over. I see him trying to wave me down. So I pop my earbud out and go, hey, how's it going? Good, man. Do you mind if I uh, stop you for a second? I said, and he singles me out. And he goes, ladies and gentlemen, I would just like to point this gentleman out here. This is what a proper young Irishman looks like on a Saturday afternoon. And I look over at him. I'm like, <laughs> I said, well, I appreciate that. I'm, but I'm Canadian, actually. <laughs> <laughs> so that was funny and whatever. And, you know, we didn't do too much. And again, there was not much we could do in Kong because Kong's a small village and whatever. So what do you want to do? You, you walk around, maybe go to like the duck pond they have over by the Petro station and you go to the pub. Yeah, there's not much. Yeah, the pub that we went to, we ate almost every meal. Almost every meal there. <laughs> I will say one thing though. One of the best meals I had when we were there was at yeah. this pub, the Crow's Nest. Okay. So basically, you know, it's your and you lived in the United Kingdom, so you know yeah. firsthand all about the pub food, and whatever. You have the tradition like chicken strips, burgers, and 
lamb shanks or whatever the hell they serve there. So anyway, so I had the burger. It was one of the best burgers I've had. It's just like, whoa, this is really good. Mm. And, the, and the fries were perfect or the chips were perfect. And I actually tried something crazy because I always heard about them putting mayonnaise on French fries. Yeah. I actually did it. And it's actually not as bad as people think, because again, over in the UK, mayonnaise is not the same that it is here. No, it's more creamy. It's not tangy. And I was like, yeah, okay. So I put the mayonnaise and I mix it with some ketchup and I stir it around and I eat it. And I'm like, this is good. This is really, really good. Hmm. Also, I had the chicken strips and you know, chicken strips, usually when you get them at a pub or whatever here in North America, they're, <coughs> excuse me, they're very thin, like they're bread and whatever, but the chicken is so thin. They brought me the chicken strips and fries. The chicken strips were so thick. I looked at it, I thought it looked like a piece of fish. I was like, oh, right. Weird, whatever. I took a bite of it and the piece of chicken was thick. Mm. It was good. I was like, oh, this is so good. But it got to a point because we we're eating every meal there and it's just like, I don't board at the pub. I don't want to eat pub food anymore. I'm so tired of pub food. Like, give me a sandwich. So we go to another pub. They have a club sandwich. I order it right on the spot. Don't even right. think at anything else. I'm like, perfect. I get it. It was good. I love it. Now I do want to talk about the wedding. Uh-huh. So, so we go to the wedding and it's great. We they did the little ceremony at this small church in the town. Hmm. So I guess. And I don't know if you've ever been to like a proper Catholic weddings in the past. I know that you and I both went to a Catholic school, but I don't know if you've ever been to a Catholic wedding. So I guess like they would do readings and whatever during the Saturday. So was it a mass, a wedding? Was it on a Saturday or Sunday? Because that makes a difference. I think it was Saturday. Okay. So it, so like if both parties are Catholic, they'll actually get married during the mass on Sunday and it's, a completely different thing than a wedding they'll do on a Saturday. Yeah. Which it's very neat. Yeah. And the funny thing, like they're, they're either way. They were, yeah. They were already married. Like they got married yeah. in 2020, but it was just like the ceremony, the fairy tale destination wedding, whatever thing. Yeah. So I guess Katrina asked me that they wanted people to do some of the readings. Yeah. And it's funny, even though I do a podcast, I'm weirdly uncomfortable doing public speaking. Right. They asked me to do it. I'm thinking, fuck, I didn't really want to do it originally. But she's like, no, no, it's okay. It's just a small group of people. I think, okay, it'll be fine. We'll go up there and do it. Yeah. So they give me what I'm supposed to say, which I still have on my phone, mind you. Is is it just a scriptural reading or? So it is kind of, kind of a scriptural reading. So it was a... Kind of a scriptural reading, but they edited it a bit to suit them, right? Okay. So it was like, you know, today remember the smiles and laughter of all who have gone before us and who want to share the special day. We pray that God will one day unite us, internal peace of his kingdom, Lord hear us. And there's a pause and it goes, Lord hear us. Yeah. Because, oh, it's the re- you got the responsorial. Yeah. There's two parts to this. I was supposed yep. to read. So my dumbass didn't think to do it at the same time. Cause I thought, okay, we'll come back later. You know, they'll do like a circuit, whatever. So I do the first part, I go and sit down and 20 minutes goes by and I realized 
oh fuck i only did half that reading and nobody <laughs> knew that nobody knew that and nobody called me out on it so i was like okay perfect cool whatever they noticed oh i'm sure they probably did yeah. later but anyway so we go to the reception which was held on the grounds of this castle called ashford castle yeah now the ashford castle in kong is this very upscale castle a lot of famous people have came through kenneth katrina's bonus dad was the sous chef there so he was well, he and i were at the pub one day and he's telling me he says oh yeah when i was a when i worked there he says yeah you know you had days where russell crowe would come in or brad pitt liam gallagher from oasis circa 1998 came in like this is when oasis was like yeah. biggest band in the world at that time he went out and had went out drinking with him one night pierce brosnan did his wedding there like a lot of famous people right it was held at the Ashford Resort, which is up a driveway. Because basically you have the church, a nine-hole golf course, a driveway that goes up into this little foresty area. And then you've got the hotel hmm. for the banquet room. And that's where it yeah. was. So that's cool. So we do all that and everything. And it's great, whatever. And a couple of days go by, so we got to fly home. Yeah. And everything was good. You know, we flew back into from Dublin into Toronto. No worries, no problem. The customs guy in Toronto was a dick to deal with. <laughs> and, you know, and, you, and you, know, you know firsthand, I mean, you fly through customs and they're not super friendly to you. They're kind of like very stern, very straightforward. This guy was worse than that. He just looks at me, he goes, passport, rips it out of my hand, looks at it, looks at me and he goes, why are you here? And I was like, oh, I'm just i'm flying home i've come just came back into canada from you know from ireland okay gives the passport and i fuck off and i'm just thinking what a fucking prick that guy is no i'm masked up because we're back in canada yeah. masked up in the airport and all you hear is the mask is moving up and down all here i'm sitting katrina's looking at me what's wrong can you fucking believe that fucking asshole <laughs> and I'm, I'm swearing under my breath walking through the terminal i'm like I hope that fucking asshole loses his goddamn fucking job. Like, I just, oh, I was pissed. I was not happy because I'm tired and whatever. So, and, you know, we flew back through Toronto. Everything was fine. Get to Vancouver. We're tired. My sister, thankfully, I text her in Toronto and I said, hey, listen, can you come pick us up at the airport? And thankfully, she lives nearby. Yeah. Because honestly, it would have been like a hundred dollar cab ride to the airport from where we were at, or no, sorry, to the ferry terminal. Oh yeah. So she picks us up, takes us to the ferry terminal. We're there. It's super hot, super muggy. It's like seven o'clock at night. We're like, yep. Yeah, Jesus Christ. So anyway, we get on the ferry. We come home. I get home at eleven o'clock at night on the Sunday. I go right to bed. Yeah. Wake up Monday, and I wake up, and I'm not feeling great. I'm thinking, oh, okay, maybe I'm jet lagged or whatever. Here's the kicker of this whole trip. <laughs> Katrina and I both got COVID. <laughs> we were the only ones out of the whole party that went to Ireland that came back with COVID. So we had hey, to go. You're the lucky ones. Yeah, I know, right? So we had to go in isolation and whatever, and is what it is. And of course, Katrina got randomly selected for a COVID test. Which, you know, I don't know. I don't really want to go. I don't want to really go into that because, you know, with COVID and whatever. So yeah. I'll just leave it at that. But anyway, yeah, so COVID happens. We isolate for five days. We get out of it. We go back to work. Yeah. 
And that's the end of the story. Now, is there any part of the story that I probably, because I, I mean, I already told you all of this and I spent almost an hour talking about this. Yeah. Now, is there any part of the story that I, you can recall, I haven't mentioned that you think of? Nope. Not that I can think of. Yeah. Actually, the one thing I do want to mention is that the gift that I brought back for you. Oh yeah. You want to tell the listeners what I brought back? For oh you? yeah. So uh, just got some candy. It was good candy. <laughs> Yeah, we got uh, fruit pastels, which are my favorite, and uh, Milky Way bars. Yeah, because that was the one thing I asked, because, I mean, I, don't, I was like, hey, Tim, what do you want me to grab you when I'm in the UK? And you're like, I don't know, candy? <laughs> I mean, it's good shit. It is good shit, man. It is good shit. So, you know what? As much as I spent this entire time talking about myself, and I know, hard to believe, I know me talking about myself. <laughs> But I do want to flip the script here, Tim, and I want to ask how you've been doing the last couple of weeks since we last talked. Right. So, uh, yeah, I, funnily enough, I went back to uh, Vancouver Island for the summer. So, uh, Tay having COVID, we basically only got to hang on like the last day I was there. <laughs> yeah, so, it's uh, unfortunate, though. Yeah, we usually record an episode together when we're in Vancouver Island this time. No dice, but way she goes. But yeah, so uh, honestly, mostly it's just getting ducks in a row for all the wedding planning stuff. I don't think we've talked about this on the podcast yet, have we? Have we? Oh, yeah. I don't think we have. I guess we haven't. Yeah, so uh, that's happened. Yeah, Tane, I agree. I mean, what? <laughs> yeah. We're not supposed to tell them that. Oh. But no, yeah, so it's just been uh, Chelsea and I trying to get all the ducks in a row. Just figuring. We have a date. Excellent. Now, do you so, plan? No, that's good. That's good. Or do you plan to have it on the? Island? Oh, we're doing it in Victoria. In Victoria, okay. Yeah, yeah. So, uh, assuming all goes well, we'll be doing it at the Cathedral in Victoria. Okay, because it's funny because I remember when you mentioned this to me, and I think the listeners need to understand this story because this is how you and I always operate. So we, I can't remember what episode <laughs> it was. So we were doing an episode, and afterwards, you know, we're talking for five or ten minutes after we're <laughs> into this. And I was saying to you, because I know that the Sens come to Calgary, I think in what, March? Right, yeah, yeah. Mid-March or whatever it is. And I'm going to, you know, and I'm going to be obviously off work at that time. So for me, and I was saying, I said to you, I was like, hey, so listen, what do you think about if Katrina and I come to Calgary and the four of us go watch the Sens play the Flames? And you're just like, yeah, I can't really commit to anything right now because we're planning to get married in april keep in mind you had not told me that yeah given i'm the one person you talk to every single week and i didn't <laughs> know anything about i knew you guys would get married up one time but i'm like okay well you never told me this and you're like yeah we're planning to get married this time oh am i invited and you're like yeah of course you're invited tay <laughs> i mean I think that one goes without saying. <coughs> I hope so. Fuck, I mean, we're doing what almost six seasons, seasons of, of this. <laughs> yeah. So, I think that, except for like maybe our parents, that's basically how it's been for most people that we've mentioned that. That too, she's like, oh yeah, we're getting married. Yeah. Actually, kind of a side note here. Kind of was funny. I was at Katrina's the other night, and for the listeners who don't know this, so my girlfriend Katrina lives like 20 minutes away from myself 
Well, here's the thing. So Tim's mom and dad only live just down the street from them, from her. Yeah. So I was at her place yesterday and I'm coming home and I turn on to, I think I turn off of. But we don't need the street names. Yeah. Whatever the street is that turn off yeah. and whatever. And I see this guy walk up the street and I see him walk past and I'm thinking, Hey, that's fucking Tim's dad. <laughs> yeah. He goes up for a walk on the mountain every day. Yep. It's true. I uh, how how would you just how would you describe your dad? I've always described your your dad as like Trevor from Grand Theft Auto Five if he was like not unhinged. That's not a terrible description. It's not real. And I said that to Chelsea. And Chelsea's looking at me going, "Oh my God, Tay is right." Yeah. <laughs> and it's funny because you're like your mom and dad are great though. You always yeah. Great, so yeah. So, yeah, so that was basically what we're doing. Although we did get to go on a really big bike ride uh, when we were on the island. Uh, So Chelsea's parents, uh, they have e-bikes. So they have a battery to help you go, help your range and help you not get tired. So uh, we ended up, we we rented two more and we went from Langford out to Souk, just along the Galloping Goose. Okay. Yeah, so that was about, it's about an hour and a half each way at the pace that we were going at. That's not bad. That's not bad. Actually, a funny story about those e-bikes. Did I ever tell you about the first time I ever met Katrina's mom? No. Okay, so uh, Katrina's birth mom and bonus dad, they do 12 pubs of Christmas. Yeah. They do a pub crawl every Christmas, yeah. whatever. This is the first time, I, her and I had only been dating a couple of months. First time I'm meeting her, hmm. one of her friends came out and her friend was something else. Like she was, she was, she was fucking crazy. You know, right. And it's like December and it's pissing down rain. So she's on one of those e-bikes and she's fucking coming along and whatever. And we go to the first pub, we meet up with the second one. Katrina's mom shows up, her friend doesn't. I guess what happened was that she was coming along, somebody splashed her in a puddle. Oh no. And she's like, that's it, I'm going home. Yeah, so that, that's immediately what I think of when I think of e-bikes. Just whoop. Uh, good times, good times. Good stuff. But yeah, so uh, yeah, I think that's big. Oh, we did find out that in Kelowna, there is a hobby farm. I think it's called Kangaroo Creek that has, well, kangaroos. And you can go and feed and pet the kangaroos and capybaras and stuff nice yeah so we stopped we stopped there on the way home and uh spent about an hour and pet the capybaras pet the kangaroos and turns out capybaras have like really wiry almost needle like fur but it doesn't like hurt okay is it kind of like a not a porcupine like a hedgehog no it's very weird i don't really know how to it's basically so that the capybara remains uh water resistant so it's not it's it's not like you can hurt yourself with it. It's just kind of wiry. But they they also just really like being petted. So hmm. yeah, it was really fun. Interesting. Interesting. Now, you know, it's funny. When I think of the Okanagan, did you ever hear the story about when, like in the early 90s, MC Hammer had a concert up there? No. And so MC Hammer, I can't remember what it was. It was like a uh like a it was called Peach Fest. They had a big Peach Festival up in the Okanagan. So MC Hammer was, this is like 1991, 90, yeah. 91, around there. Like MC Hammer's at the peak or whatever. 
So anyway, yeah. he goes up and I guess people get pissed off. So they decide to riot. And one of the things they do, they have this giant peach. They roll it into the Okanagan lake. Oh, that's amazing. Okay. We like that. Uh, all right. I don't know why I immediately thought of that, but it's because uh, it's funny. Right. Uh, all right. So uh, after an hour, do you want to talk about some hockey? Yes. Now, actually, before- <laughs> Honestly, I feel we should take a quick break to give our listeners a bit of a breathing room and we will come back because you know what? I think as we haven't been, we, you and I haven't been together for almost five, six weeks now. So yeah. there's been some news stories that we feel like we should be talking about. Yeah. Now, before we do that, Tim, we're going to take a really quick break here in the third Life Sense cast and return to talk about some news stories. Cool. Hey, this is Michael Harvey from Black and Gold Productions and you're listening to the third line plug Sensecast. All right, we are back. Now, Tim, you know, usually for the third point sense guest, we have a topic and a segment called Top of the Hour. Yeah. And you know, on Top of the Hour, we talk about news stories of the week and whatever. Now, the news stories that I've cherry-picked here happened post-episode with Matt Bosty. Because yeah. I feel that's pro because of some of the stories you talked about. Now, of course, when talking about the Top of the Hour stories, you know I hate talking about death. Yes. And every time that a death happens, this one was just heartbreaking, though. To any hockey fan this past NHL playoff, as this young kid, this young boy really did win the hearts of hockey fans. Oilers super fan Ben Stelter passed away on August 10th. So this is what I'm not very aware of. Is this similar to uh, the Jonathan, like a Jonathan Petra type situation that we had at the Ottawa Senators about five years back? Yes and no. It wasn't like Petrie was a like a good luck charm for the team or whatever. But yes, kind of in the same way that he was very, very out there. Like the fans knew about him because of his involvement with the team or whatever. But Ben was one of these young kids. I think he was only five or six years old. I guess he was diagnosed with cancer. Yeah, and he had tumors and whatever. So his, you know, his face got blown up, and his tagline or his slogan was play La Bamba baby. Mm. And I felt it was really appropriate because as a lot of people may or may not realize the 2022 world juniors are on right now in Edmonton. (laughs) So when Canada played their first game, one of the songs they played was La Bamba. Right. And I thought that's really cool. They played it for Ben in Edmonton, whatever. And it was just sad that, you know, you see, the social media post in the playoffs when he had Connor Mc, with Connor McDavid and Dreisaitl and some of the Oilers. So that was really, really cool. Mm. Now, another story, talking about top of the air, another story that we talked about on our fifth season was about former Vancouver Canucks forward, Jake Furtanen. And Jake Furtanen yeah. was in the news because he was being accused of sexual assault. Yeah. On an 18-year-old girl in a Vancouver hotel room, which he's always maintained was consensual. So Jake Furtanen was found guilty of said sexual assault. No, he was acquitted. Jake Furtanen was found not guilty. Oh. Okay, clearly I miss or miswrote this then. Yeah, jury trial found him not, jury found him not guilty. The prosecution argued that uh, basically what it came down to was the reliability of the, sorry, here we go. It came down to a question of the reliability of uh, the complainant. 
And the prosecutor said that she was very trustworthy. The defense argued that there was major inconsistencies in her story. And the jury sided with the defense. Was it kind of like with the Kobe Bryant thing about 20 years ago? Um, I, I don't, I haven't followed the trial enough to make a full, a full statement on that, but basically, yeah, the jury sided with the defense. Okay. Yeah. I mean, we don't really need to go too far into it, honestly, because I mean, there's just so much that so much behind this, but I do want to talk about this next story. And this one really caught me by surprise when I was over in the UK. Adidas will be ending their partnership with the NHL following the 2023-2024 NHL season. I guess they have been doing it for about 10 years. And they do cycle them out, cycle out jersey partners about that frequently because like Reebok lasted for about 10 years. CCM lasted for a decent while too. I thought, uh, no, no, Reebok came in 2000. Seven. Yeah, 2007. Because the Buffalo Sabres were kind of the prototype, and then every team got one at the 07-08 season, if I remember right. That's right. Okay, I do remember that now. And then Adidas came in in 2017? I want to say it was around that, yeah. Yeah, because the Ottawa Senators just kind of had their (laughs) Reebok Edge jersey ported over to Adidas, and it didn't look very good. Honestly, that could have been a per when Adidas came in, that could have been a perfect time to revamp the jersey and whatever. But unfortunately, we had to wait another three yeah. years for that. I will say one thing though, Tim, and you and I were talking on the break, is I've got a prediction here. Because you know, there's uh-huh. been, there's people yeah. on Twitter and social media who are talking about, oh, okay, who would have the contract after this in 2024? Here's my pick. Under Armour. Ooh. That does make sense. Yeah, because Under Armour is owned by Nike. Nike in the 1990s did a lot of the NHL gear and all that stuff. And I will say one thing, though. If Under Armour ends up getting this contract, who's going to have the swag to bring back those Sergei Fedorov-style white skates? Yeah. Who do you think would bring those back? Do you think it would be like a Panarin or a Stutzla or somebody? Like a big-name superstar? trying to think of who would be the flashiest evander kane might try it maybe matthews maybe matthews yeah yeah or maybe one of the kachucks could be could be be interesting though interesting now we're talking about the white skates though tim this next story really caught me by surprise because you know a couple of years ago the nhl revealed the reverse retro jerseys which had some really good ones had some bad ones, and had the Ottawa Senators one. Icelandics revealed the first seven reverse retro jerseys for the 2022-2023 NHL season. Now, I did get a chance to look at some of these, and I do want to highlight a couple of them. First one, and you know, a lot of these ones were ones that, it definitely tells like the fans' input is very important here because you look at some of the ones that have been chosen. These are ones that the fans wanted. The first one, given that we are in Canada, the Edmonton Oilers are bringing back the oil drip. Yeah, and it's like the colors on the oil drip are really nice. They are. Like just dark blue, silver, and white. It's really cool. I I always – keep in mind, I always liked the Edmonton Oilers jerseys from the early 2000s myself. 
yeah. all three versions. The big thing for me when talking about the oil drip is that do they go with that color scheme or do they go with the current oiler colors? Ooh, I really did like the darker colored oiler jerseys of years past. Yeah. And not going to lie, whenever I play as the oilers in like NHL 10 or something, I'd, I'd pull on the old oil drip ones. So I hope they kind of just like update it to look a little more modern, but kind of keep the colors in the logo. Mm-hmm. And I think it's interesting to note because the oil Derek and the oil drip jerseys were designed by Todd McFarlane, the creator of Spawn. Nice. Yeah, no, like they look or whatever. So yeah, they look savvy. They do. So uh, I would like to, yeah, I think it would just be like maybe something modern, like a bit more flashing or something maybe, but even a pure retread just made to fit the Adidas jersey a bit better would, would be pretty cool, honestly. Now, another cool one that's actually coming back, and this is one that a lot of fans were really surprised did not get brought back. The New York Islanders are bringing back the Fisherman jersey. It's just such a good-looking jersey. And you know what? It's a jersey that it's amazing how time has really changed because it was a jersey at the time was widely despised. But nostalgia is very funny because I think people look back weirdly fond on it now it's like that's not a bad jersey and i know friend of the show jamie mcclennan has always said that those were a great jersey he was one of the few players that actually really liked them the one thing i really note though when i was hearing about this is that they are going to do it in the current islander colors though they're not going to do like the dark blue teal orange colors well that's a shame because i like kind of the more oceanic motive that they went with with the colors yeah and it's interesting because when talking about you know, I always talk about the Peace Tower shoulder patch for the Sens. Yeah. The New York Islander fisherman jerseys have a very underrated shoulder patch where it's just a lighthouse. Yeah. That's really cool. And I've never understood why they didn't bring something like that back because, again, they're in the Long Island and whatever. Very cool jerseys. Now, one thing, now another one I'd want to bring up, these are just ones I want to highlight the New Jersey Devils. Wait, you don't want to talk about Johnny Hawk? keeping back on the sorry johnny canuck being back on the canucks jersey okay, you know you're right let's talk about that real quick because this is the first official one that got leaked what happened was i guess somebody in vancouver found this on facebook marketplace <laughs> with the tags and everything amazing they found it they tweeted isletics and was like hey what the hell is this and isletics came out and confirmed that's going to be the canucks reverse retro honestly the Canucks have had two really good reverse retro jerseys yeah. because like last year's Orca Bay image and this year's Johnny Canuck, that's, we'll see what the final ones look like, but I'm very happy with both those choices. I really like the Orca one from last, the, the, the 1.0 version, because honestly, I always felt that the Canucks third jerseys of like 2002, 2003, when it was like, blue that blended mm. into like a lighter maroon color was yeah. really cool i had that was one of the first jerseys i ever owned i have it's still at my dad's place actually it's a great jersey and i'm glad that they brought it back with like blue and green i saw that and the first time i was like that's really cool i'm really glad that's super nice in person though too oh so good yeah i'm ashamed that one never ended up being the like the official one right yeah, so that was a neat jersey. It was. 
the Johnny Kanaka one those are interesting because honestly the jersey itself looks kind of basic I'm more interested about the logo though okay the logo is interesting because honestly can I've seen a couple of Canucks fans I've seen it and they're kind of kind of iffy on it to be honest with you they're kind of split they're like is this good I I like it but then again I guess I'm just kind of a sucker for that more classic style uniform Mm -hmm. but then again you know it really it remains to be seen what it looks like in person right yeah but like remember when the when the senators had their silver o jerseys for the classic and we all criticize us going oh those are just brutal and then we see it first like give it all to me or everyone's still shit talking the snez jersey which you now i now own i should have got a photo of you in that jersey though you were so proud you're just like i love this jersey i love it so much and now i have I have my favorite Sens alternate jerseys now. I know. I'm still jealous that you have the, uh, the black Senegoth. I'm sad. I'm a little too tall for that one. Although it's now the Jersey Chelsea gets to wear when she goes to games. That's true. I do want to talk about the devils one because you know, the New Jersey devils are it. Their history is kind of interesting because they were, you know, they started off as the Kansas city scouts, became the Colorado Rockies and then came to New Jersey. So the New Jersey Devils are doing their devil jersey, but in Kansas City Scouts colors. And it's very interesting, to say the least. I don't know if I like them. It's an interesting look. But then again, it's like, if they're going for like old colors, they didn't really have much to choose from other than that or the Jersey Christmas tree. Because, uh, well, you had the the Rockies had the same color palette as the Scouts. And then you had, yeah, those old green and red jerseys from one New Jersey first entered the league. Yeah. Or uh, Lamo jersey. Yeah, that's true. I was going to say, and maybe, and here's an interesting one they could have done. Do you remember the New Jersey Nets jerseys? Oh, good lord! Basketball color. We don't. We don't talk about the New Jersey Nets. What if the Devils went with like something like that to inspire their old basketball counterpart? Maybe, but then that just kind of remind. It's just like the, oh yeah, the team sucks and now is across. The team sucked then moved across the river. You know. Yeah. But I'm saying it could be an interesting look, right? I guess. They suck shit, though. Now, do you want to talk about the Tampa Bay Lightning ones? Oh, those are cool. Those are cool. Okay, so for those who don't know, the Tampa Bay Lightning, I feel when talking about classic original jerseys, the Tampa Bay Lightning ones are still amazing. There's something about black, blue, and white. It works. It's simple. The Lightning in the late 1990s, they had a third jersey, which was blue. I think it was like blue with silver and white and had waves and lightning bolts and rain and whatever the fuck you want to say on it. The Lightning are planning on bringing those ones back. You know what? I'm down for that. Yeah. 
like straight up, I would wa- I would wear one of those. Now, the final one I want to talk about, though, Tim, is the San Jose Sharks, because this is very fascinating from what I was hearing, is that now, for those that don't know, the San Jose Sharks, of course, were an expansion team in 1991. Prior to the Sharks, the Bay Area had an NHL team in the 60s. The Golden Seals. Slash California Golden Seals. Those are very interesting looking jerseys because it was either, depending on the pictures, they were either teal or they were kind of greenish blue, yellow and white. Yeah. The San Jose Sharks are planning on bringing that color scheme back for the jerseys. Here's what's really interesting for me. There's plans. They're bringing back the white skates. Oh, I want to see that. Well, here's the thing that's super interesting. I am surprised that San Jose went with it, given that the modern Dallas Stars were the original Golden Seals. Yeah. That's true. That, that, that is true. But I mean, and honestly, the Sharks don't... What can the Sharks really do? They don't really have much of a history in terms of jerseys, right? They have... Right. Like, they have a handful of designs that they've ever had. They have the original teal and silver, which chef's kiss. They had the black in teal and silver. Which we're, were all not, right. We're all right. But like, That's yeah, they're I jersey. Don't think the Sharks have ever done as a good black jersey. No. Yeah, none of them have been particularly good, but they also haven't really changed their jersey design. Like their home jersey has been practically the same mm-hmm. throughout their existence. Yeah. Except for that period between 90, like 98 to 2007. Yeah. I mean, it's either that or they honor maybe another Bay Area sports team. Right. Like they could have done like Golden State or something. Yeah, the Golden State Warriors. Uh, I was going to say the 49ers, but that's San Francisco. Well, San Francisco, San Jose, it's all the Bay Area. That's, that's true. They could have done it, but I think it's. But the seals probably make the most sense. However, I don't know if the Golden if uh, Golden State Warriors would be a team of interest because most of their history is in Oakland, not San. That's Fran. true. Even that's though true. they are based out of San Fran, though. Yeah, no, that's fair. But again, Oakland is also it's all the Bay Area. That's true. That's true. So we're going to move away from talking about reverse retro Tim's. We've got some Calgary Flames news to talk about. The big story, of course, when you recorded with Matt Bosti was Johnny Goudreau signing with the Columbus Blue Jackets. Yep. The big story coming out of Calgary now has got to be revolving around Matthew DeChuck. Because Matthew DeChuck is officially part of the Atlantic Division. A big trade happened with the Calgary Flames. Calgary traded Matthew DeChuck to the Florida Panthers for Jonathan Huberdeau and Mackenzie Weger. Plus, plus, plus. It's about as good of an ending as the Flames could have hoped for. They got two excellent players. And Mackenzie, they locked them up long-term. A first round, a conditional lottery protected pick and a pretty decent prospect. You're never, it's very, very difficult to win a trade like that. The flames came close. Yeah. And it's interesting because 
I don't think anybody saw Florida. I think because you were hearing like St. Louis and you were hearing Dallas and you were hearing other teams like this. Not Florida, though, because Florida is in a weird position right now because they lost Sudro, they lost Ben Sherratt, they lost a number of players to free agency because of a cap crunch. And then they go ahead and they have the balls to roll the dice and bring in a superstar in Matthew Chuck. And they locked him up. Yep. I love the move for Florida. Like Matthew Kachuk is a very, very good player. It remains to be seen what they actually well, I think they find a way to get salary cup compliant, probably just through LTR shenanigans. But like this was a team where a lot of people are like, well, I don't know what they're gonna do with uh like the Huberto contract situation, not being able to fill in Uyghur, and uh not really having a first round pick for the next few years. Yeah. But uh they've gone and made something interesting because like a top line of uh Barkov, Matthew, and Reinhardt, it's pretty good. Yeah. And then you can throw up Anthony Declare, Carter Berhage, and Sam Bennett as you need, or Patrick Hornquist as well, if he's feeling spicy that day. And then the defense definitely a bit weaker than it was last season, but you still have Aaron Eckblad and Brandon Montour, Gustav, Radko Gudas, and Gustav Forling. That's a pretty good top four. Yeah, that's it's a pretty serviceable top four. The only but thing yeah, I was just yeah. that, but I mean the Matthew Jack to Florida really took me by surprise. But it is kind of cool though, because you know, we have a thing called the Chuck Bowl. Yep. The Chuck Bowl went from having two games a season to four games a season now, because both Brady and Matthew are now in the same division. Yeah. And here's the thing is like I was really wondering what the hell the Flames were gonna do. Or are they finally just going to say, you know what, it's time to blow it up after both Gaudreau and Kachuk left? And you know what? It would have been very easy to say that too, right? When you're too big a stars walk out the door and you're like, well, fuck, I guess it's over now. But they turned around. Like, they got, they made sure to sign Magipani long-term. I'm not crazy about $10 million for Hubert, but they got him locked down. Yep. Uh, Elias Lindholm, his probably could jump in and be a top center. And if Mikhail Backlund continues to be serviceable, that's a good enough top six with Tyler Foley and Blake Coleman, or if they can, here's the other crazy thing. Maybe they can get a cheap Nazem Kadri. It's amazing. Like Fucker he has, still hasn't signed. Still hasn't been signed. And he was one of the, what, top guys in free agency. People were thinking, oh yeah, he's going to get a big contract. What the fuck's going on? He still hasn't been signed. Yeah. And then maybe his camp's not budging. Maybe that's what it is. Maybe that could be it. So it could be interesting to see what happens as we close into training camp starting. The other thing though, is Calgary's defense is low key. One of the best in the league now with Hannafin Anderson, Uyghur Tanev, Chris Tanev and Shillington Zadorov. That's, that's really good. Yeah. Well, do you want to talk about the re-signings Calgary made of Oliver Shillington, two years, five mil, and Manjapati, three years, 17.4? Yeah, I I like these. So, like, I think Shillington is a guy who has a lot of room to keep growing. At 25, the, as a 25 season, this is kind of when he comes into his prime, and at two and a half million, that's great. Yeah. Yeah, you can't get anything wrong with that, man. Yeah, and then... uh. Mangiapani at 
like, and this contract takes him to age 30. So you're getting his best years at a very reasonable price. So I do want to talk about the next story here, Tim. And do you recall when the Chicago Blackhawks for a couple of years there after their last cup win, when they were bringing back all their old stars and whatever, trying to bring back the gang? Yeah. The Boston Bruins are doing the exact same thing right now. Hell yeah. The Bruins have signed Patrice Bergeron to a one-year $2.5 million contract. And here's the one that really came as a surprise. They bring back David Krejci, one year, $1 million. I didn't know Krejci was still alive. Sorry, no, I knew he was still alive. I meant he was still in the shape to play hockey. Well, he was playing in the Czech Republic last year, so it wasn't like he was fully retired. Oh, come on. Yarmy Ryager's playing in the Czech Republic, and he... In his own tweet, he is old and slow, but strong. Yeah. I love Yami. But honestly, I mean, that's that's great. They brought back Bergeron for one more year because honestly, I thought Patrice was going to retire. Well, he's still very serviceable, right? Yeah. So it's like, I'm not surprised that he's coming back because he still has, I think he still has a lot of good hockey in the tank. And, you know, honestly, when I look at these signings, it only signifies one thing. The Bruins are getting older, not better. Oh, for sure. And this this is one of the first seasons where it's like, I'm really wondering what's going on with the Bruins. Yep. Because, like, their top line is going to be one of the best in hockey until it isn't. Like, that's just how that's going to be, right? Yeah, and you can only go so far with one line. Yeah. And because that's like I, Boston is that, you know, you look around the lineup and you're just like, this team is not that good. If I'm being perfectly honest, you have yeah. players that are decent, but you look at them as a team and you're just like, this is a very much a, they're trying to fix it with duct tape. Yeah. Cause it's weird. Cause it's like Marshawn Bergeron, Pasternak. Fantastic first line. Great line. Taylor Hall, David Krejci, Jake DeBrusque. The wings are good for a second line. That center, I don't know, man. And then Zaka, Coyle, Smith, Frederick, Nozick, Nick Foligno. I actually feel like losing Nick, sorry, losing Curtis Lazar kind of hurt. Yeah, but bringing in Pavel. What a weird. Bringing Pavel Zaka was a good. I'm not sure if Lazar. Sorry, Zaka is better than Lazar, to be honest. Well, it's serviceable. Honestly, I just feel at this time, the Bruins are really reaching the Detroit Red Wings part of their saga where they're just trying to cling on for dear life to stay in the playoffs. That's fair. Like, do you think they'll be the first team to fall, kind of fall out of the Atlantic as a playoff contender? Yes. Yeah. I And you know what? We said this during the season. I said, if there's one team that's, Heading into the 22-23 season that could fall off and the Sens could make a push for the playoffs, it's going to be Boston. Yeah. They're getting older. They are not getting better. That's true. That's true. Now, we're going to move away, Tim, from one original 16. We'll oh. talk about another. The New York Rangers named Jacob Truba, the 28th captain in franchise history. I got to say, though, when talking about the Rangers, though, the Rangers could have made a few choices as captain and you would have had a lot of people saying, that's a pretty good move. You could have had Zibanejad. Yep. You could have had Chris Kreider. Yep. You 
if I'm being honest, you could have even had, say, a Panarin. There was maybe rumors of Adam Fox. So Jacob Truba coming in was kind of like, oh, interesting. Okay. I'm, I don't know how I feel about that one. It's interesting. I, I think because, again, you, like I said, you could have made any of those other guys I just named captain and you, you but, would have had people. Yeah. Like, That's a good choice. But yeah, like his exit from Minnesota was kind of met. Sorry, from Winnipeg was a bit messy, if I remember. So I'm a little surprised that he's a captain now. You know? Yeah. But it, I think it also kind of throws a bit of shade at Alexis Lafreniere. Because like a guy who was like toted to be the big up and coming guy has two mediocre seasons and just kind of gets lost in the shuffle. And it probably looks even worse for Capo Capo. Yeah. And honestly, yeah, I don't even know what to make a Lafreniere right now, to be honest with you. I uh, watched him every, like I watched him occasionally and I'm just like, something's missing here. Maybe did the range. The German smile. Exactly. It was that jawline and the big muscles. Actually, by the way, have you seen Tim Stutz Lanell in the offseason? Oh, yeah. Our boys Blow are on muscle. Holy shit, dude. Yeah, no, we we like him. We like him a lot. Yeah. But it's like with Laugh Premiere, I don't really know what it is. Like maybe it's just like he's not getting the assignments or something, or I think, like the defense I think is the certainly not there. Him. I think the Rangers rust him into the playoffs, into the not playoffs, <sighs> rushed him into this into the league. But the hard thing is, is he's a first overall. Yeah, but you know what though? Being but then, like, first overall doesn't guarantee you're going to be a star right away. But then, both Stutzla and Byfield were ready to go day one byfield unfortunately got injured yeah so it just maybe the scouts missed something maybe and stutzla will probably be a star in this league right i think i think they might have just bought the hype because again how many french canadians are going first overall nowadays that's true but like well it's funny because i think like uh the Canadian, the Habs taking Slavovsky over uh, Shane Wright might may even be a correction here. And that's what I was just going to say. I was going to say maybe that's why they didn't buy the hype with Shane Wright two years later. Yeah, because like I'd say Clinton, despite playing less hockey and being younger, mm-hmm. I think Quinton Byfield is the better player, at, even at this point in limited ice. And of course, Tim Stutzla is probably, I think he's well on his way to being an NHL star. I know. Do you think Stutzla is going to be the first $10 million player in Sense history? Potentially. I think, yeah. I was about to say, is he going to be one of the best paid German hockey players? But then I remembered Leon Dreisaitl exists. Yeah. Yeah, but his contract's pretty team-friendly, though. Oh, it's very team-friendly, of course. Yeah, it'll be interesting, though. So do you want to talk about some Sense news, Tim? Yeah, let's do her. So the one big news story that broke out for the Senators after your episode with Matt Bosti is the Senators resetting Matthew Joseph to a four-year, $11.8 million contract. This contract, it makes the trade, the Nick Paul trade so much weirder because this is essentially the contract that Nick Paul got with less term. 
I really don't understand the trade from Tampa's. Like, don't get me wrong. I love Nick Paul. He does everything. I think that Matthew Joseph has the higher ceiling. Yeah, but Matthew Joseph wasn't getting the playing time, though, whereas Nick Paul is already fully formed. That's true. So they knew exactly what they were getting with Nick Paul, where Joseph, they knew they had something on their hands, but it's like, okay, well, you're not going to play over Kucherov. You're not going to play over Palat. You're not going to play over any of these big guys in the top six. I guess, but then, like, maybe you'd rather have Joseph now that Palat just yeeted himself off to New Jersey. (laughs) Here's your lovely wife, Chelsea, in the background there, making her appearance in the third eye plug. We'd love to see it. Mm-hmm. So it's just like one of those weird things. It's like the the more that comes out of this trade, the less I understand it from the Lightning. Because like at the time, I thought it was a great trade by the like it worked for both the Sens and the Lightning. Oh yeah, honestly, but this I, summer we talked about this. Yeah, when it happened. Oh, of course, this summer when I look at it, it's like this works a lot more for the Senders than I think it does for the Lightning. Yeah. It's very, and don't get me wrong, like Nick, Nick Paul's a great player. Yeah, he knocked out Toronto. Yeah. Well, maybe. It was because of Nick Paul, Tim. Oh, no, 100% it was, but. <laughs> that was like, in a roundabout way, that was a victory for the Ottawa Senators. Yeah. The only thing, piece of work that the Sens really have to do is uh, dump Nikita Zaitsev and re-sign Eric Brandstrom. Now we got to, well, actually, first of all, before I want to get into the final thing I want to add here, Tim, Eric Brandstrom, because one of the things I really noticed when I was in the UK is there was a talk of Eric Brandstrom. He went to a rock concert this past summer or this summer. Okay. I did not realize Eric Brandstrom is a fan of Rammstein. That makes me very happy to know that because I love Rammstein. Rammstein has been one of my favorite bands for a long time. And he went to a show in Sweden and I'm thinking, I'm fucking on. I like that. Yeah, let's go. Still pissed that they're not coming to North America though. (laughs) Rammstein on this tour. Do you know how many dates they're playing in North America between Canada and US? Zero. Three. Oh, wow. Wow. Playing Quebec City, Philadelphia, and like somewhere else in the States. That's really weird. I know. I mean, Rammstein came to Vancouver in 2011. I'm still kicking myself for not seeing them then. But that's not the defenseman I want to talk about. Jacob Churin. There is still rumors out here that Brent Wallace confirmed today the Ottawa Senators are still kicking tires on him. I don't see the fit, man. The thing is, is that he's not. He had one good season. The thing is, though, imagine, just imagine the Senator's defense if we had him. He doesn't fit because he's never played right D. That just pushes down Sanderson, too. Like, I, and the guy's a black hole on the power play. His defense is meh, and we have to give up firsts for him? Honest that. I'm going to close that window because I don't want kids screaming. Anyway, okay, so here's my thoughts on the matter. It would be nice to have him because think of how much more dynamic the Sens defense would be. I can't justify giving up what we would have had to do. You're talking two firsts, a top prospect, 
which, okay, who do you trade? Do you trade Shane Pinto? Do you trade Ridley Gregg, who's having a great yeah. World Juniors right now? The only thing that's good is that Sightstep goes the other way. Well, here's the thing is I hope that with absolutely no one else seemingly interested in Shikrin, because let's review the tape. Shikrin was available at the trade deadline. Nobody paid for him. Shikrin was available at the draft. Nobody paid for him. Hopefully, Ottawa ponies up a lot less. Yeah, if it was like a first-round pick, a prospect, and Zaitsev. That would be mine. That would be powerful. I can stomach that. I can't stomach two firsts, a top prospect, and Zaitsev. No, because like I don't think Shikr... I'm not convinced on Shikrin being a top pairing defenseman. Like he's competent in his own zone, but mm-hmm. the guy's an offensive black hole and should not be on. And hopefully that he does not get a lick of power play time. Cause it's like for other, it's like if Shikrin played right D I'd be down or he's a right shot defense or he's right. But the problem is, is he's never, he hasn't really played right D and we don't know how well he does on his offside. Mm-hmm. So yeah, I get it. I don't like it. I really wish we could have gotten weaker. And I really want to know what the holdup, like if the sense we're in on it. And I guess it was just the Kachuk bowl started. Yeah. yeah. Like imagine if the, like the Brady Kachuk bowl, sorry. Imagine if Matthew Kachuk just signed with the goddamn flames. Yep. Matthew had one job. It's brutal, man. Brutal. It's brutal. So, Tim, I don't really have anything much to comment here. If you just want to hop to the close. For- yeah, let's do her. Well, guys, thank you so much for listening to the Third Line Plug Sensecast. I hope you've enjoyed it because, believe me, Tim and I love recording it for you. We're on the National Podcast Network. You can find our page on nationalpodcast.network. You can find our links to iTunes, Spotify, SoundCloud, and Google Play. We're also on Twitter. At Third Line Plug is our Twitter handle. Tim is at Honey Badger. I'm at Great White Gipster, G-R-8-W-I-T-E Gipster. If you want to choose an email to talk about my trip to the UK and the stories that we discussed here on today's episode, Choose an email, 30 plus says guys at gmail.com. So, Tim, I guess the next time we be getting together currently is going to be possibly our season preview show for 2022-2023. All right. Unless we can figure out an episode in between that and then, but... Yo, we should get Andrew on the podcast one of these days to do, like, logo rating. Yes. Yeah, it was like, um, who the fuck was it? Somebody on social media that did all the NFL teams. It's like, who's this? It's like, the Flying Horseman. No. And it's just, um, what the fuck? They're the one with the Rams. They're like uh, the horny horn men. (laughs) It was a good one. Good one. Until next time, guys. I am your host, Dylan Gibson. And this has been Tim Jancy. Go Sens, guys. Woo!